Greetings, commanders, and welcome to episode 256 of Lave Radio, the show that talks about the universe of Elite and the fantastic community that surrounds it. I am your host, Chief Archivist of Lave Station Commander Phoenix Defire, otherwise known as Colin Ford, and joining me in this um, rather deserted Orange Swindwinder bar for this week, we have our uh, Deputy Trade Attaché, Commander Souverine. What up? And we also have our Inhuman Resources Director, Commander Shan. Hello. We ought to put an echo on because there's no one in the orange side wonder and our voices are echoing around the empty corridors that people have left because they've bogged off on holiday. Hi, Ben. <laughs> ben? He's on holiday. Oh. Yeah, as well. Um, we'll leave Captain Innuendo out of this. We'll also say <laughs> um, thanks to Commander Ventura for handling the tech for this evening. No problem. Uh, yep. Yeah. And, uh, well, we're not doing much in-game at the moment. As you can hear, we're pretty light on the ground. Um, But um, you can join us in the Twitch chat channel, which you can access through leaveradio.com slash live, and you click on the live chat, or go to twitch.tv slash laveradio. Well, I think we'll just uh, quickly touch on what we've been up to for the last week. So, Commander Shan... Have you murdered any other NPCs lately? Oh, tons. Tons and tons and tons. In fact, space is deleted with the remains of Thargoids and other NPCs. Yeah, so this week I've been doing some Thargoid combat on my uh, main ship, my main account, um, getting my third account engineer ready, which has been basically uh, relogging at Dav's Hope and back again for a while. Um, and in real life, I was fortunate to be in, invited on a uh, Mercedes AMG um, track day in which I got to drive various fast AMGs around the track. So that was very fun. Oh, yes. And uh, let me guess, did you drive fast on the way home by any chance? No, I didn't actually. I was remarkably restrained because, I mean, I've been on track days before and one of the things they, they sort of ram into you is that when you come out of a track day, your mind will still be thinking, I'm on a track day. Mm-hmm. But you have to make a conscious decision to drive sensibly. It's just like when you're on a motorway, you know, when you go 70 mile down a motorway and then you hit a 30 mile hour limit and all of a sudden it feels like you're parked. Yes. <laughs> yes. Because um, for my one of my birthdays, I was given a track day where I could uh, drive a a Formula. I think can't remember what Formula car kind it was around a track up here at Alton Park. And um, put it this way: on the way back home, the missus said, "Oh, got me to pull over," and she drove for the rest of the time because basically. I was scaring the bejesus out of her. <laughs> End quote. So, so um, you're used to the speed then? I mean, it's some nice cars to drive. I think the, I can't remember the exact one I drive, but I had over 600 horsepower. was one of the ones that was a, which was a bit quick. Although I realized actually how I didn't like it because it was almost like too quick. And I think the, the big, the, the big kind of like, 
downer on the day was when you signed the waiver forms, the insurance. And if you drive this one, it says that you will be liable for the first £2,000 of any damage caused. <laughs> so it's like, okay, well, you know, if you need any, need any incentive to calm down and not be stupid, it's the thought of a £2,000 bill <laughs> if you bend it. Yeah. But yeah, it, it, was, it was a good day. I enjoyed it. It was, it was, it was nice of them to all like give it for free and yeah it was uh it was a really cool day excellent okay commander souverine what have you been up to for the last week or so uh what have i been doing um not a lot to report in game um out of game i've been what have i been doing um not a lot it's been fairly quiet today i had a day of um culture my aunt was in town um and everybody always laughs at me when i say i've been hanging out with my aunt um she's uh is that like a jeez and wooster style art <laughs> um she's pretty uh she's she's very fun she's she's very um she she's quite sort of young at heart and um uh she um she likes sort of um she likes doing cultural things in london and um uh whenever she sees something on a, a gallery she always says right we've got to go and uh you've got to come to that with me um so today uh, she dragged me around the Tate Britain, and then we walked to the Tate Modern and wandered around there. Um, so it was like a full-on eleven till five walking around uh, exhibitions, like three in one day, which is pretty punchy as far as um, art absorption goes. Um, so, uh, so I was completely knackered at the end of that, um, but it was quite quite fun. Excellent. Um... Well, let's, let's see. I am still in the Witch Heads Nebula. I am taking out Thargoid Scouts left, right, and center in a vain attempt to um, get my uh, deadly elite rank. And I'm, I'm almost there. Um, it has been quite a. Um, <laughs> I've already lost two crates. I am so out of practice. I need to get good. I know I said that last week, except I'm not getting any good, if you see what I mean. What um uh did you lose the crates to the scouts? Yes, because what happens is that I jump into uh I hate um and uh, an alien signal source hmm. and normally threat four I can handle. However, there are times when a threat four goes mental. Normally when you jump in, if you see that there are two or three human ships and no Thargoids yet then normally that should be a signal to get out. Because what happens is about eight or ten of the buggers then just warp in, and they're not all marauders. They're, they've got regenerators, they've got berserkers and inciters, and basically they don't go after the other human ships. No, they just target you. <laughs> so you are outnumbered ten to one, and even your poor little fighter stands no chance. Actually, they'll they'll wipe out your fighter first, then they go after you. And I reckon I've managed to get out of it three times out of five. So I've lost two crates so far. Uh, and you know, I mean, it's nothing. That's that's what twenty minutes just doing void opals. It's just it's just frustrating. Yeah. But uh, yeah. yeah, I tried to put a um, I tried to put a uh, a real world value on elite credits the other day. Not not using any complicated economics concepts just literally like what is this what does this mean to me i worked out that it was in 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 terms of equivalence i reckon a million credits is about the equivalent of 10p is that 
pre-Brexit or post-Brexit? Oh! <laughs> Bingo! <laughs> Bingo, gentlemen, charge your glasses right now. <laughs> the first shot of the evening. Um, <laughs> Literally. <laughs> which, would, which would mean that you losing 20, 20, uh, 20 million is about the equivalent of losing two quid, which roughly is, you know, you said, you know, no great shakes, but a bit annoying. Like, yeah, that, that's... So how did you work right. that out? Because if you think about the... Um, the, the law of the game and stuff like that is that being part of the pilot's federation is an achievement in itself. It's not like you send off a standard dress envelope to Blue Peter and get a sticker <laughs> back. Well, you know, it is actually more of a prestigious thing. So, apparently, a credit in Elite, according to the RPG, a, a credit is about is equivalent to about fifty pounds. So, it, no, it, there's no reference. I didn't work it out using any in-game metric at all. Literally, it was just. How much is my time worth to me? How much? How long does it take to earn a million credits? What mm. does you know? How does how annoying is it to lose X number of credits? Is it as annoying as losing a tenner? Is it as annoying as losing a pound? I just I just worked it out like that, and it's probably right, it's probably quite subjective as well. Well, that's is one of the things I've I've sometimes thought about in game, not just about the credit thing, but. If you think about the time you spent going from, I know we'll come on this later maybe, from um, one end of the bubble to the other, which is about 10, 15 minutes, mm-hmm. it amazes me why systems are still um, seen as isolated because 10, 15 minutes is from my house to Sainsbury's. <laughs> yeah, video game logic for transit yeah. times is very different though, isn't it? Yes, it, it is, and I guess we'll we'll come on to that later. Um, <laughs> yeah, the uh, oh, the one issue that um, I was wanted to to talk about has just popped out, out of my head completely. So, um, <laughs> what we'll have to do is we'll we'll just quickly move on to the development news, or basically what the devs have said this week. Now, we had a big, long discussion last week about the fact that uh, it seemed that the Galnet flavor text was being pulled. And, um, yeah, we had Stephen Benedetti post a response from Ian Dingwall. Now, Ian Dingwall is lead writer on Elite Dangerous, and he wanted to discuss some of the latest stuff with Galnet. And it does appear that we are losing content. But this is because... It turned out that doing the interstellar initiatives required a lot more work than they thought. And in order to do those initiatives, justice meant that a lot of the flavor stuff was going. I mean, how do you how do, how do you two feel about that? I was a bit sad when I read that, to be honest, because it... Although people speak of flavor text as if it's like an optional or nice to have, you know, like, I don't know putting ketchup on your chips you know it's it's kind of how people treat flavor text but actually if you don't have flavor text you're just kind of left bland it's like usually tech you know otherwise and Hmm. i don't know i i I guess we'll see what what happens because if if the effort they put in it's really high quality writing and it's really engaging as part of the interstellar initiatives I probably won't miss it as much, but sitting here not knowing what we don't know, it sort of feels like the universe has suddenly got a lot smaller. Actually, I'll I'll, I'll agree with that. Um, Sue? 
Yeah, I totally, totally agree with Shan. I think um, on hindsight, I think the reaction to the Galnet thing was um, was disproportionate um, in Frontier's eyes because I, I don't think they're expecting anything like that. Um, and if you read, going back and reading, um, is it Stephen Benedetti? Yes. Yeah, going going back and reading Stephen's original post, it sort of it does look a little bit throwaway. It looks as if, by the way, this is happening. You probably won't care, but we're letting you know anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and from their and from Frontier's perspective, I completely understand that because you know nobody's ever nobody's ever written a forum post about how much they love the flavor particles. Like they 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 are a bit ancillary. I think mm. I think the overall reaction to that thread and the reason it blew up was partly because it was. I think it might have been seen as the latest of a series of, or a trend of, like a scaling back of ambition or a perceived scaling back of ambition. Um, you know, no big update this year. You know, X Y Z's got to wait. X Y Z Z's taking longer than we thought. This is you know nothing for existing players this month. It's all about new players. Nothing for existing players next month. It's all about new players. You know, I'm just, I'm, I'm paraphrasing slightly. Yeah, I'm, I know. I'm, I'm just trying to capture the mood music. But I feel like the Galnet thing was probably emblematic of a wider sense of of a wider malaise in the community, which is a, a bit of a sense of, oh, come on, please, not again, not you know, can we, you know, not more scaling back, not more dumb, not more delaying, not not more dumbing down, you know. So I, I I think that the um, I think that it was probably slightly indicative of a of a wider sort of shared mindset rather than that specific issue. And as Shan pointed out. It could be brilliant. Like it's all about the implementation with something like that. And if we start to get, if we start to get narrative, like really compelling, interesting narratives played out over Galnet that set up a interstellar initiative further yeah. down the line that we then feel quite passionately about because we're invested in it because we've been reading about the setup, then brilliant, fan- absolutely fantastic. Um, if it just means that the inter- if, if it if it just means less Galnet, that's definitely like undeniably a, a step down. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean that. That was the one thing that I did notice in the post uh, from Ian Dingwell. One of the things that he did highlight was, um, you know, the the story about someone who stole the diamond back when they weren't be able to. Mm. Yeah, he said that that kind of backfired because they had people going through the galaxy looking for this character who had stolen the the diamond back, and a couple of people said he found they found uh, the the missing diamond back when it just turned out to be one of these assets that had crashed onto a planet. Um, and that's so. So that is exactly the kind of thing that we don't want. From now on, what we when we put stuff in Galnet, it will relate to something that's actually going to happen in game. Uh, See, I that... I disagree with that to be honest. Because, Go on. well, I just love the thought of this story trolling people to go around the galaxy trying to find stuff on a wild goose chase. I mean, isn't that part of the whole myth and legends of you know of the galaxy. If if you know something is in game because it's in Galnet, kind of takes the fun away from it because you know it's there. Yeah, the equivocation was actually the the, the ambiguity over it w- was not a bad thing. I, people when people talk about the original elite, one of the things that they often say is that oh, I spent hours and hours searching for Raxler, but you know now I know Just it wasn't say, in the game files. I'm grateful for the invitation. That, that doesn't to go matter. I, I spent hours and hours for it. Oh, I look back at it with, with such fondness at those times, and they're being they're being completely they're, they're being totally serious. Like people don't really mind that. Um, you know, really? that kind of, 
Well, I, 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 I don't know. Like the, the well, there was this. Yeah, because in Funcar Elite Two, there was a there was a ship you couldn't get without hacking the game files. So I think it's called the Mirage. I think it was. And you know, those people just tried to get that you know normally, and there was a rank as well, wasn't it? Supposedly, something called Archangel, which again was something if you got all the elites and stuff together. And even in the original Elite 1984, people spent hours, myself included, looking for space dredges. Mm. So, I don't think they spent hours looking for those now as well. Well, well you see, one, in beta, but anyway. yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you see, that's that's the one thing because basically, I when I was a kid, I heard about the root boot. I did the oh, got to see if I can find Raxler in the original game, or the space dredges were mentioned in uh, in the actual manual. So I was looking for them, and of course, only after a couple of you know, after about five years, David Braben said, "No, they're never in there." Just like just like the black hole in in um, the original, well, in Frontier, everyone went, "Oh, if you get to the center of the galaxy, there's a black, there's Sagittarius Eye there," and of course, it's not. Mm. <laughs> and the fact that I that you know I wasted time looking for them, really, it it did kind of leave a little bit of a oh, why did a a feeling yeah, okay. that I'd wasted yeah. my time. All right, fair enough. I don't, I don't, yeah, fair I enough. think we should have the option, though. Surely, you know, it's all about choices. I don't like being told. Yeah, you know, the galaxy needs some mysteries, I think, and just and having it utterly unambiguous because it's in down there takes away that mystery. I don't know. I, in I, my I, mind, I don't, I don't know, Shan. I, I I think I disagree. Um, the thinking about what Collins just said, there is a difference between a you've bought it, it's on a CD, take it home and play it game, and a online live service game. Um, people might be forgiving of the fact they spent hours looking for something in, in a game years ago. But with a game that's in current development, still supported, being you know being iterated upon, that ambiguity could be, um, could really, really annoy people. Um, just thinking, and also it puts, it puts continued pressure on Frontier. I'm just remembering the former Dean Rift thing. Um, mm-hmm. So Drew Wager wrote a book, put something about the former Dean Rift in it, a few th- a few fl- throwaway sentences, references in a in a in a in a, 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 a like a a source from in the story. Um, probably didn't think anything of it, and everyone was like, "Ooh, former Dean Rift! What's the former Dean Rift?" Um, and then what followed is basically eighteen months of of Drew Wager's fans hassling Frontier. Um, to know what was going on in the former Dean Rift. And then the Zarara thing was was retconned into the game, basically to shut everyone up. Frontier were like, well, we didn't we didn't make up, you know, the former Dean Rift is just something in Drew's book. It's got nothing to do with us. Leave us alone. But they, oh, they, had, actually, to, actually, they had to act on it. Sorry, go on. No, but they actually had something at the former Dean Rift at that point. It was moment. an anaconda, wasn't it? Yeah, there was an anaconda there. There wasn't the mega ship right from the very beginning. That was actually in the game, in this particular point. Well, where the mega ship is now, and there wasn't any voice acting or anything like that. There just would have been text that people would have been able to read, and okay. that would have been it. But um, it, as Drew said, it back then it was just supposed to be a a nice little to have that if you know somebody might find. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. I thought there was I thought there was absolutely nothing in the game. Um but I I guess the point stands that expectation does breed demands and I think Frontier are more aware of 
players making demands of them than we give them credit for. Um, One of the examples that I kind of think um, confuses things was the barnacles. Do you remember we were told the barnacles had, were in game all the time? Hmm. And as soon as, as soon as meta alloys and barnacles first were seen in the commodities, people went looking for them. And they went all over the place looking for barnacles and no one could find them, etc. Until one Thursday morning when all of a sudden they appeared. And we'd been told, oh yeah, the barnacles are in the game all the time and you just didn't look in the right place, etc., etc. Where circumstantial evidence points to they were switched on after a server reboot. Maybe. You're essentially accusing Frontier of dishonesty, and, th- and th- you know it could. It could, it could well, have... it might have been in the game. Technically, it might have been in the game, just not activated to be visible. Mm. So, ten- so technically, Frontier aren't lying because they're in the game. It just seemed odd that no one could find them at all until after the first day reboot, when yeah. Yeah. people found them within minutes. I don't know if they found them within minutes. It was pretty quick. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Hmm. Yeah. I, I guess the um. Yeah. That. That. Yeah. That. The expectation thing is is definitely. Um. I think probably. Um. Frontier are probably aware that they don't want to people to. Is it for, for us as well as them? They don't want to be pushed into do into creating content for stuff. But equally, they don't want people to be disappointed and let down by for wasting their time. So I do definitely get that, and I think that ultimately that probably outweighs the benefits to like ooh, you know who knows well, it could be true i just like the ambiguity and and the trolliness part of me likes the thought of players doing a wild goose chase for hours and hours and hours but then i <laughs> like that fair enough um the um uh the only thing about um the uh that particular story storyline, which um, which Colin mentioned, is that the the disappearing um, the, dis- the, dis- yeah, the disappearing Diamondback. I think people might have slightly conflated that with the um, with the Gan Romero ship theft thing because they both involve um, sort of disappearing ships. And the Gan Romero slash Halsey storyline about the unseen caretakers of the galaxy was that seems that that seemed very much like it would be um that it would be part of um part of the the guardians narrative um or um or at least part of like a a, a possible future narrative it definitely didn't feel like flavor text because essentially they were they were injecting um frontier were in, inserting an allusion to an as yet unseen alien sentience um or you know unless it was like an escaped ai or something but anyway like an, another major like narrative um uh sort of like character i guess um so that seems quite unusual that they've come back and said that that was that that was nothing because it definitely that wasn't a flavor article that was big new mystery um what do you guys think about that my view is and i've been thinking about this for a while is they wouldn't have hired a new writer to not write anything. I mean, that'd be the most depressing job in the world, wouldn't it? You become a new writer, <laughs> and actually, all you do is a paragraph every couple of weeks. Sounds wonderful. So, Sounds like the ideal job. So, in in my mind, if they hired a new writer to do something, then there must be enough work for them to keep them occupied doing this full time. So, I I'm hoping the quality 
of content and quantity of, con- of content does justice to them hiring a full-time writer. Well, yeah, that, I mean, that's was what was interesting, though. Even though they've just hired a new writer, um, Ian Dingwall said that there's actually a very aggressive production schedule, which also meant that things are being repositioned. So does this pr- uh, aggressive production schedule mean the interstellar initiatives? Is it part of the 2020 update? Um, that That's... It's, it's nice to speculate that, you know, if they're going to need to, um, more writers just to cr- help create the content, that's that's surely a good sign for the 2020 update. It's just, I think everybody, well, it's a bit of a drought at the moment, though. But how much of that is actually due to holidays and stuff like that? Because if anyone does any business with Europe, there are parts of Europe that basically closed down for three weeks in August. Yeah. Um, so, so how much of this is due to Frontier staff being on holiday? Yeah, Frontier schedule being a bit relaxed, and yeah, you know, basically mm-hmm. catching up on paperwork, doing admin, basically trying to get everything ready for the big push for next year and towards the end of the year. You know, could this be the them taking a proverbial breather, getting yeah. everything set up? ready to burn midnight oil going forward. Well, you'd like to think so, but it's just at the moment it's difficult to see that, isn't it? It wasn't phrased as a, this is only for August. It was a, this is a permanent change going forward. Um, one thing uh, no, I, I was about- thinking of in general. I was thinking of the, of the thing in general that Colin was... Yeah, I think um, one thing that... Um, one thing that it, it could be that um, to do with the writing. I mean, when when, it, when Stephen said, or when, sorry, Ian Dingwell wrote that they were just taking on a, another full-time writer, I was like, they've got full-time writers? I was amazed because I was like, well, Galnet's like a thousand words a week. What are we talking about? Um, and it just struck me now. Um, there might be quite a lot of writing going into the New Era update. If it's yeah. space if it's space legs, um, like there has been a trend in the game to rely a little less on procedural generation for missions and a little more for on um, scripting of some kind, um, and um, you know we we saw that with the Ramtar missions and we've seen that with Interstellar Initiatives. Um, it could be that Frontier have decided that um, that they that that's the direction they they want to increasingly go in. Um, and therefore the and the new era update will be if it is space legs like. Um, the leak said like Starship Troopers like scenarios. It could be that there are lots and lots of scripted cam- or not campaigns, but missions involving Thargoid base raids and things that are being written as we speak by these writers. Um, and that's where the attention's going, potentially. Well, that is one of the, the interesting points, isn't it? Because one of the things that when we were talking to the devs at Lavecon, uh, they said was never underestimate how much work has to go into the game in order to get uh, voiceover work done. Yeah. And when you think about it, all the um, uh, all those generation ships, all the text for that has had to be written and then voice acted and there's all those um uh you know uh, the the bases which the thargoids have attacked and um the anara oh, sorry the inra or whatever whatever bases there were yeah yeah um, all those had logs that were voice acted and things like that and that means that all that stuff has to be written so you know the other thing that springs to mind is uh, do you remember the um, video 
or you know, at LaveCon when they talked about fully voiced tutorials mm-hmm. and part of the new starter experience. That's so right. I'm wondering, that's probably taken quite a bit of effort as well. Well, yeah, I mean, that did, uh, that's where the... Uh, the main question was, I mean, we did ask, these updates do seem to be, you know, reasonably, uh, well, the, the, they're a lot smaller than what we're used to even in, in the Beyond series. And the reply to that was never un- yeah, never underestimate the amount of uh, time that creating this voice content actually creates, which mm, makes sense to me. Yeah. Especially if there's a, a a diminished team working on the on the present content, as as the ongoing content, as a as opposed yeah, to exactly. the era yeah. content, and they've got to, it, it's got to be written, edited, proofread, recorded, and then not and then knocked together by a sound editor, um, and so, translated. Yeah, gosh, yeah, good point. Because mm, we're multilingual. <laughs> well, I'm not. I can hardly manage this language, let alone any other. So you're Scottish and what? Gibberish. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm from far off Gibberobia. On the subject of of the team, um, we do know that there's a a vast amount of uh, people from FDEV at the moment at Gamescon in Germany. they're basically showing off the new Planet Zoo stuff. There's there's hardly any Elite Dangerous stuff there at all, apart from maybe an Elite... I think there's an Elite meat planned, but that's about it. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, I mean, on top of that, with the uh, community team was at Fantasticon this this uh, last weekend. Um, they didn't reveal anything. There weren't any content reveals like there was at, uh, at LaveCon, but um, they were just there meeting the community and making sure we we're all happy. Allegedly. I think they're there to party, basically, weren't they, and have a good time, which is which no one complained of. Nope. Definitely not. Um, as far as the in-game events were concerned, um, which are basically live streams, etc. Um, well, Dav did the background presentation that uh, we all saw at LaveCon um, on Thursday. Um, <laughs> did anybody else lose track when he started going on about the, uh, the standard deviation and some of the advanced statistics that we used? Because I know I did. I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. I can't wait. It looks, it looks really good. It sounds like a similar point to what people glazed over when he did a live con, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, there was one point at live con where everybody just went, okay, he's gone too far. I can't keep up. <laughs> big words. <laughs> so, no, big maths. That's the thing. <laughs> We're talking data structures of eight or nine dimensions, and then you're going, I can't even visualize that. Uh, so, and um, Stephen was uh, flying with Paige on Monday and managed to upgrade his combat rank to the heavy, to the dizzying heights of novice. He <laughs> <laughs> uh, was, was very pleased with it. He was very pleased with it, wasn't he? Yes, well, it, it was an achievement. Don't you just have to deploy your hard points to get novice these days? Um, 
I mean, he's fighting a Viper Mark IV, for goodness sake. Fair? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the thing is, I mean, I don't... If he only ever plays it on your spare time and and whatnot, then it'll take you quite a while to get places. Because I, I don't know about you, I think if I was paid to play a game, I wouldn't want to do it in my spare time because I'd be so fed up of playing it, regardless mm-hmm. of the game. You know, it almost... In your mind, if you're being paid to play a game, it, you're working. And so, therefore, if you do it out of hours in your own time, in my mind, you're still working. That's probably even true if you, um, if you like, I'm pretty sure that quite a few of the community managers had Elite Dangerous accounts before they joined Frontier. Um, it's probably true if you are an existing player who then goes to work for Frontier. You probably want to, you, you probably feel less drive to play the game once you've seen mm-hmm. inside the sausage factory so to speak and see how it's all put together well um, i know will had an account didn't he before he joined yeah um and you, you probably you probably wouldn't feel as much like playing um as you because you're dissociated with work I, I presume yeah well the other um the other thing that they have announced this this week is that there is now a photo competition um in progress what we'll do is we'll put a, a a link in the show notes for people to um uh to to join it um there was some um annoyance in the forums that you can't enter this competition on the forums um you have to enter it via either facebook or twitter uh and you're allowed up to four images for for your entry so um yes it was to do with world photograph day um, and it's funny that that you know you you were saying Suv, about this um, feeling that things are being cut and, and a general malaise going on. Yeah, that's what really kicked off on the forum because there seemed to be an awful lot of people who just went, "I can't even be bothered using their own forum now." Yeah, this is my point. It's not. I think people are leaping. I think Frontier are in a tricky situation because. That we have come to a pass whereby every single update, unless it is um, unless it is unequivocally positive, is viewed as yet another not betrayal, but but step back and scaling down and and lessening of scope. And th- a lot of these things are proxies for that general malaise. I think, like the, the front the, the forum the forum thing for the photo competition. Like realistically, these people probably weren't that bothered. Um, but they, it, it's sort of there's this, I guess, like a, a sort of pervasive sense in the community now that that to expect these things to just be scaled back and 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 slowed down and put off, and they, they and they're leaping on, and you know, me included, all of us, we're sort of leaping on anything to to vent that frustration on, if that makes sense. Yeah, it, it does. It does. I can kind of see that in a way, although to in my mind it's just part of the natural life cycle of a game. You're not gonna get full on mega content patches every two months or every week or even every six months. Or even every year. Or even every year. Or even every year. You're gonna get lulls. You're gonna get drives and I think it's what you do in those drive periods that makes or breaks how much you enjoy things. Because you either say, well, 
I'll keep pushing through and it'll be a grind and da da da. Or you say, well, actually, there's a whole new set of games out and I'll go and yeah. try those and they'll so come back to the leap. When there's something out, no one is forcing you to play a game you don't enjoy because it's supposed to be your free time. You know, you're not so, you're not yeah. paid for it unless you're frontier. So, yeah, totally yeah. agree with that. And, and actually, if there's ever, if there was ever a time that, um, if there was ever a time to stop playing Elite and play another game, and this sounds ridiculous seeing as we're doing an Elite Dangerous radio show, but I would say that 2019 is the time. Like, you know, Elite Dangerous, they're not in maintenance mode. They're actively heavily developing the game. And the reason that it's taking more, the reason it's not that it's not coming out this year is because it's going to be huge. Um, I trust that. But that uh, that unavoidably means that 2019 is, you know, basically status quo. Um, and you can't play one video game forever because none of them are, and none of them, no video game is yet a perfect world that you can escape into completely. Um, there are, we're living in like the golden age of space games. There's something like five absolutely brilliant world-class space games that offer a, not a, not a comparable, but a, a sort of a similar, um, you know, some of the similar, um, premises to elite. So, you know, freeform planetary exploration or, or, um, you know, procedurally generated galaxies and all this sort of thing um go and play them absolutely brilliant like um warframe's getting warframe's getting its empyrean update later this year which will which will be seamless freeform freeform space flight dogfighting um eva boarding all that stuff all the all the stuff we've been waiting for five years in elite four uh no man's sky has just got its biggest release ever um you know we've got x4 like all these other games now's the time to play them i reckon um uh what um uh sorry just thinking about something um colin are you are you still there or have you dropped out oh yeah i'm I'm still here so i'm afraid to say i think i'm suffering a little bit from the gremlins tonight and people keep on dropping out and dropping back in um yeah i mean i mean we'll, we'll obviously we'll be probably coming back to this at a um a later point, um, unless we want to go into the main discussion now after after an, an ad break. Let's have an ad break, and yeah. we'll talk about main discussion, then we can finish off development news and stuff like that towards yes. the end, because I think it's there's a natural segue now, I think, into the main. Yeah, good, good point. So um, if we could have a, an ad break, then we'll be right back. Eddie Lee Wise here. Our family-run business looks after all your sartorial needs. Whether you need something to turn your pink python purple, or you want to wrap your buns up in a nice tight white suit, Millsburn Ken can sort you right out. He's an expert at inside leg, and my wife Barb's is a whiz with a sewing machine. Bespoke tarting for you and your ship. Visit Eddie and Sons, plus me daughters, at Lave Station. Right, sir. Cough, please. <coughs> on the far side of the bubble. On the dark side of an airless moon. On the slightly more interesting side of a ravine. There lived... The Engineer. The Engineer can make your lasers more powerful your engines speedier 
and your gas tank really, really big. What do you want? I want fish. Wait, what? That's right, fish! Carp, char, chub, jack, loach, crabby, muckabate, prickleback, sole, snook, snake, tang, wahoo, wabagum, banjo, banga, snook, sole, shad, scat, come on by with the long nose cat, noodlefish, nibblefish, northern squaw, hooma, hooma, nuka, nuka, wappa, wappa. What about Swedish fish? Why the hell not? Thanks, mister. You're in the wrong commercial. Well, shit. Fish, because, you know, space. And welcome back. Now, as uh, Souverine pointed out earlier, um, there has been a lot, and I mean a lot, of um, uh, releases lately uh, in the space sim genre. Now, one of the, uh, there's obviously been the massive No Man's Sky Beyond update, uh, and also there's been another game called Rebels Star Galaxy Outlaw. Now, um, I've, I mean, I've been following the the release of both of those those games, uh, and they both seem to have been well received by fans of the genre. Um, Sue, if you've been playing No Man's Sky lately, uh, what have you been thinking towards it lately? Um, so my No Man's Sky experience is um, is probably I don't know how typical it is, but it's um, it's beyond is when it's clicked so i played no man's sky at launch um i played it a bit afterwards um i bounced off it every time i played it with each patch that ostensibly made it that that i mean they did make the game better um i bounced off them every time i bounced off it with next which was widely considered to have to have completely saved the game um Mm. i i got to the point where i'd put about 50 hours cumulatively in um and um i'd got you know into about 10 systems and i've got a bit of the crafting gubbins done but i i don't i don't love crafting games i never played minecraft i didn't i didn't get that bug i appreciate the infinite like the near infinite freedom they give you in terms of um you know creativity and stuff um but i i hate shooting rocks and punching trees i find that gameplay super boring um and um uh so i was and and actually, the fact that No Man's Sky was a survival game at heart came as a bit of a surprise to me because I, I mean it's my fault. I'm sure it was widely telegraphed. I just didn't. I was just too busy looking at screenshots of Stegosauruses to think about it. Um, but the um, but it is you know No Man's Sky is essentially at its heart and has and well was at least since launch um, a game largely about shooting rocks thousands of times to to ascend up complex crafting trees to do things like perform a hyperspace jump mm-hmm. um you know which you know in elite and star citizen and comparable games you refuel by selecting an option and paying some in-game money in a star in a star in a starport in no man's sky you refuel by shooting rocks that's the that's the, the the meat and the potatoes of the experience um and because of the crafting thing i always bounced off no man's sky um i, I loved it in principle um and the and the game got noticeably better even for a casual player logging in over the course of its lifetime but with beyond there's a few things that has that have just fixed it um the the most annoying boring grinds which were um so if you haven't played it you have several different types of fuel for your ship you've got fuel for taking off fuel for flying 
sort of super cruise equivalent, and fuel for hyperspace jumps. Each of them have separate fuel. And the launch thruster fuel to actually take off is a total, you know, it, it, it depletes, it used to deplete very quickly and, um, uh, and was annoying to, um, and faffy to craft. And you'd always, you, you know, you, you'd come to really ration trips in your spaceship because you didn't want to use fuel, which is a bit of a perverse, in, a, a perverse incentive for a space game. Um, mm. And um, uh, anyway, so, so that and the hyperspace fuel grind were both quite annoying. Um, and the Beyond that update has, it's just added some really thoughtful things. So the, there's, with relatively little hassle, you can now install something on your ship that means that the star, the, the, um, the, the, the launch thruster fuel um, refra- you know, re- rejuvenates over time. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can install something in your base to, um, to automatically create uh, hyperspace fuel. So both of those grinds have essentially been removed um, once you get to those points, which are not very far in. Um, and um, the whole grinding crafting experience has been um, has been totally has been made much much less hassle. It used to be mm-hmm. constantly faffing around in your inventory, and this is actually the real reason I don't like crafting games. You know, Ark Survival Evolved. On the face of it, it's all about riding dinosaurs. It's fucking not. It's all about looking at your inventory and moving stacks around. Um, and um, <laughs> and that oh god, it bores me to tears. Um, and No Man's Sky used to feel it was like that. You know, that you could only carry around ten iron filings, and you had to have fifteen hundred iron filings to make a basic bolt or whatever. Um, and so it's just this constant hassle. And they've they've massively upped the inventory limits, so whereby now they they're still slightly limited on some things, which just adds a, a semblance of not realism, but like a plausibility, I suppose. Um, but overall, crafting and survival aspects have just Done, become so much less hassle. They're, they're enjoyable now. Um, you can carry a, a useful stock of the basic stuff around with you. And it means that the the value that crafting requirements instill in things, you know, make, making things feel valuable because, because you're going to need them to continue on your journey. Um, you, you keep that benefit without the frustration. And I used to feel like all of that stuff was friction that got in the way of the boundless enthusiasm and, and exploration that No Man's Sky offered, like, you know, the joy of setting down on countless never before visited alien planets the crafting stuff used to get in the way of that rather than augment it and now they've they've made they've made they've balanced it perfectly so it no longer gets in the way it just adds to it um and as a result i haven't bounced off i've i've now i'm now in hour 120 i think and i'm just totally loving it i i haven't felt this thrilled and excited by playing a game for years probably since elite in 2015 um it really is totally totally brilliant the the alien worlds are really beautiful incredibly beautiful like the um the graphics are kind of cartoony like sea of thieves kind of cartoony but um mm-hmm. but the the atmospheres the, the the sunsets and sunrises um the joy of flying your spaceship down through an atmosphere feeling the turbulence and then landing on a, a world that you've never seen and getting out to to see the the wildlife is just amazing and mm. the um I guess it's like, you know, five years of, of really longing for space legs and atmospheric landings in Elite. Um, just doing it in No Man's Sky, like it's a much shallower experience. It's more, more arcadey as a game. But, you know, the joy of, of atmospheric landings and space legs is, is absolutely 100% there. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's brilliant. And, I don't, and it's horses for courses and everyone's different. But 
the beyond update for me has through very very thoughtful changes and nothing i've nothing i've said is other headline changes either they're just they're just tweaks have absolutely nailed it for me and it's now a totally brilliant game what i take from no man's sky and most of i haven't played it as much as you have or indeed the latest release but what i take heart from no man's sky is it started off such a maligned game mm. In the community, people hated it, you know, the refunds and da da da. But they stuck to the guns and they almost started again from scratch to say, what is it that will deepen the game experience and make it a better game? And they took the time and had the courage to go back and redo loads of it. And I think with the league, if Frontier take the view, they look at what's broken, look at what people don't like about it, and have the courage and have the resources to go back and change it to to address those issues, how elite is now will be completely different to how it will be in three years' time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the main main thing that I've taken for this, I mean, I've only put 50 hours or so into No Man's Sky. Uh, And, yeah, the, I can. I'm completely with you uh, as far as the um, the, the space like side of things is concerned. Um, Sovereign, that it, it's it is it is exactly the kind of thing that I want to see happen in Elite, to be honest. But without the oh, we need to grind up for more fuel. If you see what I mean, mm. I said I want that feeling of exploration while on on two legs. The main. The main thing that um, I have trouble with No Man's Sky, and this is it is the deal breaker for me, is that flying the spaceship is nowhere near as good as Elite. That's true. Is it, it, yeah, and that's, that's totally. the deal breaker for me. Yeah, yeah. The, the thing about No Man's Sky is that the um, the spaceships, I think of them as like driving the cars in the in the mid two thousands Grand Theft Auto games. You know, <laughs> like. There's a bit of customization, but largely it's a it's an avatar switch that you control. Press X to go, analog stick to steer. There's mm-hmm. not a great. There's not a lot more to it than that. Um, and uh, it's, I mean, it, it's kind of it's an arcade. It, it's fun and arcadey. It's not a space sim. Um, the the um, one thing that is has been really transformative is playing it in VR and hopping in your ship. And using your my well, using my Oculus Touch controllers to control the stick and throttle is awesome. Really, really awesome. Um, so it's not I, it's a different experience. And in VR, it, it is really, really good. But it's definitely the the spaceship dogfighting and combat and stuff. It it feels like an arcadey sort of side thing. Um, and it's it, not. It feels like the Star Wars arcade game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I hear you. I mean, with with Elite, it's. Um, Elite has that. I mean, nobody's ever said that Elite's flight model is rubbish. Elite has undeniably an awesome flight model and ship handling and stuff. If um, if Elite could pull off something like a, a first person, sorry, a first person experience, which was uh, as fun as No Man's Sky, it would it would have it all um, because it unden- it's undeniably much much better than No Man's Sky in the, in the ship stages. What I do worry about space legs in Elite is. In, in a way, No Man's Sky has now got the materials gathering, collecting, crafting bit with space legs nailed down. 
They've mm. now pretty much got it right. So if Elite is going to go that way, it people can say, oh, well, No Man's Sky did that better four years ago or whatever it was, that they'll kind of lose that. Yeah, that's true. That freshness, which I think is important. And so I still struggle over to what people are going to actually do in space le- with space legs other than being um, an out of space version of CSGO or Overwatch or, mm-hmm. or, or, um, or I'll Fortnite. T- I'll tell you. I'll tell you one thing that might be in his favour is because Elite is a lot more hard science fiction than uh, than No Man's Sky, for instance. So that when you get out of your buggy and you walk around, the immersion factor in Elite is top rate. So you will mm-hmm. feel as if you are walking around on a scientifically possible planet. Mm-hmm. One of the problems that I have had with No Man's Sky is that, yeah, if I'm on another planet... But it feels like I'm on another planet in either a Rush video or or a <laughs> Yes album, and, it, and it, it's got that kind of disconnect there where I don't think that I think that will be different in Elite. It's because of, the, of right. I'm walking around um, in a in a vac suit, and it's it's like the Expanse as of opposed to um, what's what was the one that um, grants that yeah Killjoys. <laughs> Yeah, I do get what you mean, Colin, because one of the reasons why I never got into World of Warcraft was the style of the graphics mm-hmm. and the way the world looked. And I know people love the way World of Warcraft looks. Some people do, you know, they can point to certain architecture and da 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 da, da which is great, but I just couldn't get over the way it looked. And I think to some extent that's true to me of No Man's Sky, so I can completely relate to what you're saying about it, Colin, is it somehow looks like a cheap version of the space program. Yeah, I, I, I hear you both. The thing about video games, we, we often, I think um, I do this more and more the older I get. I, I look for an experience. I look for a certain experience. And video games really should be thought of as, you know, although they're interactive, they are, they are works of art. Um, and you can't go looking for a certain experience because they each offer only what they are it's you know it's like saying oh i I didn't like jane Eyre because it didn't have enough action in it like you know it's it doesn't really make any sense like the 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 art style of elite dangerous or sea of thieves or or no man's sky or whatever they're they're intrinsically part of the charm and if you if you find yourself liking the game you will you will grow to like the art style um and yeah i completely agree with that uh, uh, you're completely right, Sufreen, because uh, I'd be nice to drink again, but if you if you look at the art style of Guild Wars 2, it's what's <laughs> called, a, it's called, no, it's called a painterly style in that every yeah. every scene, everything looks as though it's been painted. It's it's kind of, you can see that artistic style all the way through. Mm. And with World of Warcraft, that has an art style itself, but I didn't like a particular art style. Um, so you're completely right about if you like the artistic style of the game, the quality of the graphics are almost immaterial because if, as long as it's consistent with the start of the art style of the game, I you kind of don't mind. Yeah, it's um, uh, it's definitely um, there is a there is an in-game reason that No Man's Sky is the way it is. Um, and I won't explain it because it contains spoiler, spoilers, but there is actually, it's it's remarkably internally consistent. I'll just say that. 
Right. Uh, I don't think I've actually come across that one yet because uh, basically I'm only sort of like 30 hours into the plot. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It's, it's a sort of a late late game thing. Um, I mean, I, 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 I don't know whether I should restart my game right from the beginning now with, with the Beyond update, but yes, you were, you were saying so. Um, Ventura asked um, whether I feel like the creators of No Man's Sky have listened to the community about the new patch. Um, the the answer to that is d- definitely, definitely yes. The I don't know whether um, I don't know whether the surviving crafting things that I've noticed so much have been the result of specific feedback or whether they have been just a gradual process of okay, you know, on balance, this is this is the experience that people are looking for, and and this is how we feel the game's developing. Um, definitely, in terms of headline features i the for a game that was the 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 vision of one guy largely for 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 its first couple of years anyway no the the, the devs at no man's sky uh, hello game sorry who are the developers of the game um have um have been really really happy to to work what the the players want into it to a ridiculous degree like um the game was not planned to have base building when it was launched base building is now a massive part of no man's sky and actually like base building is it's probably 80% of the replayability of it for me like you, you landing on new worlds and seeing them is is it would be a fun diversion um if it were not for the ability to choose one to make a home on to and to explore and and all this sort of thing and and the and the base building has been implemented brilliantly and it was something that the it was something that devs tacked on to the original game that wasn't planned at launch and they did it within the first two years or something and there is something about um and it's because players wanted it they said can we you know we, we we really want to do this um and um and i think i remember an interview with sean murray who's the, the lead dev at hello games he said something like we, we saw that of the players even in 2016 when we saw that we were being absolutely crucified by players in the press for the for the 1.0 release we um uh we saw that we, we did actually have a hardcore of players who were loving it and putting quite a lot of hours in. And we, we decided to ourselves, let's listen to those guys. Let's, let's, you know, let's pay, the, let's pay attention to what they want. Let's develop the game according to that, what they want. Because you know, we, we're clearly onto something here. We, we, we messed up the initial implementation, but there's something good here. And we want to keep these guys happy. Um, and that's exactly what they did. So, so a, lot of, um, a lot of what makes the game as it is now um and even like the core gameplay loops the the overall feel of the experience owes more to ongoing dialogue with players than it does with the initial game's vision i mean that's actually quite interesting because um i think i must have read the same interview uh, one of the things that he did say was because of all the vitriol that were coming they just basically shut down all communication with the fans completely and just listened to what they were saying um, can you imagine that with Frontier? <laughs> Feels like the state of code, doesn't it? Well, someone someone might say they've done that already. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know what I mean. I mean, Frontier, yeah, yeah. I've, I've compared to um, uh, how uh, No Man's uh, Hollow Games, they just shut everything down and just basically down. reworked the system. They didn't tell I, I anybody was patching. I give them great props for not quitting and going to work at McDonald's or something after the amount of flag they got. <laughs> you know, yeah, they... Well, actually, when you think about it, um, No Man's Sky did very, very well. 
Yeah, this is this is something that is not widely acknowledged. No Man's Sky did ridiculously well at launch because of the hype. So they it made a ton. It it sold brilliantly at launch. And the other thing that's not widely acknowledged is that most of the big releases since have had AAA scale sales figures. Next, mm-hmm. Next had sales figures that rivaled some of the biggest AAA, AAA games that year. Um, yes. And No Man's Sky as a as an IP is one of the most commercially successful successful of the last five years. Um, and you know, so so you know, I, I I definitely agree. Props to those guys. Sean Murray's been pretty brave. Um, it's absolutely it deserves to be a, one of the redemption redemption stories of the industry. But what something that's less widely acknowledged is that they had a sound commercial interest in doing so. Yeah, uh, com- I mean, completely. Um, uh, and and that's that's the thing. They actually had the funds to continue developing it. And you know, every time they've they've done these massive releases, they haven't told anybody about it. They just drop them. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, yeah they, they do quite a good job of managing um, managing expectations. I think, <laughs> i.e., none. <laughs> <laughs> there is something else that I want to say about um, No Man's Sky, and this is this is by nature a little bit critical of Frontier. Um, so sorry, Frontier, if you're listening, and it, it's. The observation that No Man's Sky has has been um, the ambition of what they've done with it since launch is really does put things into perspective. They, I remember something that really baffled me was the terrain manipulator in um, in No Man's Sky. You've got a, a thing, an, an add on for your gun that you can craft that basically means that you can you can shape the terrain. You can do um, like you can mm-hmm. you can create islands or mountains or you can dig tunnels and caves and things. Um, I kind of feel like that's massive. Like you know, we, we sort of we assume that video games are are textures and meshes that you can't really interact with, or they're not. They're either voxel based or they're not. And No Man's Sky just added it in, um, and that was really fundamentally, you know, it gave the it gave the game worlds that you were traversing a sort of a, a level of tactility that I just didn't I didn't expect, um, and actually added quite a lot to the game. The um, thing about that is though is you need to realize is that Italy is a simulation of the galaxy mm-hmm. and No Man's Sky is not because, uh, yes, they could add terrain manipulation and stuff into Elite, but the, the way the planets are constructed and the way the um, landscape is built from within Stellar Forge is meant to be as realistic as possible and it's based on geological principles and all that stuff. So to be able to just chip bits away or create a cave just like that is very difficult when you've got these rules. And also you have to remember is that Elite lacks persistence. So you know yeah. you could you could um, draw a rude shape in a planet in Elite with your mining tool, and as soon as someone logged in to open or private group, it wouldn't be there. Uh, yeah, I, I, that. I mean, it wasn't. Isn't, is, isn't that the same with No Man's Sky? You have to say you build a base. You've still got to upload that base to the central servers for every and other people to see it. Yeah, it's it's. You, you decide whether you want it to be publicly visible or not. Um, mm-hmm. My point about terrain manipulation was more of an example. Like the the what I, I won't use multiplayer and the the MMO aspects because to be fair, those were those were, those were promised in 2015 and uh, in No Man's Sky, and they weren't in the initial release. So I'm not going to say that it's great that they're there now because they, to be fair, they should have been there originally. Um, but a lot of aspects about No Man's Sky were 
like ownership of freighters. You can build bases mm. in your freighters. You can recruit um, fleets of frigates, which are battleship type things to go out and perform missions for you. If they come back after a mission damaged, you actually have to physically fly to, onto your frigate, dock with it, climb off, go into the bowels of the ship and fix things, fix components of the ship yourself so that they can go off on another mission. Like there's a level of the, the, what, the things that they've implemented have a, a kind of have a, a like a, a polish and, a, and a, an amount of thought to them that is just like there's a level of ambition about the development of No Man's Sky that is really heartening. And I feel like, you know, a year after launch, I think it was a year, they introduced base building and it was like a, you know, a mind fuck. Like, Jesus, this game has base building. I thought it was just a, an arcade explore alien worlds thing. Um, and then they've systematically done that sort of most years since. Um, and it took Elite Dangerous two years to get ship naming. You know, so so this the, 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 it's very easy to say like, oh, you know, it's so hard to do X, Y, Z. Oh, every, everything's going to take time. Everything's, you know, we can't do it. Everything, so and so is too hard. Like there are games out there with fr- with like teams of a fraction of the size that are just you know within a couple of years doing really revolutionary things with their games. Um, and I, I kind of I miss that level of ambition and excitement in Elite, really. Yeah, I mean. Um... <sighs> Just, just going over some of the things we've, um, we'll, we'll, we'll actually back away from No Man's Sky just for a second. The other game that was re- released was Rebel Galaxy Outlaw. Now, this, um, this seems to be uh, basically it, it's, it's got the same kind of things as Elite. It's got training, it's got uh, missions, but um, it's it's one of these games which is like Freelancer, Dark Star One, and some in some cases the X series, where you have a pr- protagonist, where you are playing the role of a prota- prota- protagonist, and there's a plot. But a lot of people have sort of said that you know it's it's like Elite without the grind, and they're really really enjoying it. And has anybody else had a chance to to see? Rebel Galaxy perform? I haven't played oh, it. I, it oh, I me either. No. It's um. Is it a is it a linear story campaign? No, no. Well, it it it, it kind of follows the same kind of um, idea between Freelancer, Dark Style One, and you know the old Privateer. You've got to be able to um, get your ship up to a certain level before you can access the next set of content. If you see what I mean. Okay, that's how yeah. that, that's how it used to do. Ah, it, so. yeah, okay, yeah, it makes perfect sense. So you've got to play the open world in order to to generate enough cash to go to the next system. Mm. And of course, the one thing that I've always found with these games is once you've actually completed the plot, there's not really that much to do, and it, it you end up with the the same kind of yeah problems that Elite has, or the old Elite used to have, because obviously they'd be nothing to do after a certain time. So, in No Man's Sky, is the aim still to get the sense of the galaxy? And does the same thing happen if you get the sense of the galaxy now as what it did? I believe so, on? yeah. I, I have not reached the centre of the galaxy. I probably won't. Um, I think the same thing happens. Um, I think there might be a little bit more... Ele- I think that there might be more of an element of choice as to what happens... I won't spoil it, but as to what happens when you get there i'm speaking a bit obliquely um Mm -hmm. but i think that that's still there there are now i think about three 
or four, I just finished something which could be the main plot. Um, it is. It was about 30 or 40 hours of story anyway. Um, and I've just finished it. And I've now been left with um, three or four kind of ongoing persistent um, objectives, mm-hmm. um, one of which is to re- reach the center of the galaxy. So definitely that's not the, that's not the, BN, that's not the be all and end all. And, and now there isn't there isn't really a like you know keep going you need to complete the game you need to beat it you know it's not that, that's not the experience anymore it's like um i think one of the npcs said when i completed the quest like ah you know now just just explore you know make your enjoy it build a home somewhere you know, yeah exactly yeah it definitely it's definitely posited more as a um as a chill out and smell the roses experience um, like a like another world you can just live in and, and chill out in, rather than a rather than a, a, a set goal that you just pursue. Yeah, um, I mean, one of the uh, a lot of people in the chat are, are now discussing that the Kerbal uh, the Kerbal Space Program Two has been announced with a, a fantastic new trailer. Um, I guess I I haven't had a chance to see that yet because we've been prepping for the show. <laughs> But um, does this mean we need, we need to find a new Kurgle on the on the show? <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's he... not Kurgle's space program, I don't think. <laughs> I said Kerbal, didn't I? Yeah, you did. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, that's how come he's a Lavian space program. Did you not realise that too? That's why he's a Lavian space program director. Ah, I see. <laughs> yeah. So basically, he's the one that we're going to desert, hanging out there in the middle of nowhere. Just floating <laughs> off forever. <laughs> nice. Never it does look bloody good, again. that game. Yeah. I mean, uh, we haven't had a chance to to look at it, but obviously um, uh, it, it is a very popular game uh, for, for people who want seriously, how should I put this, seriously hard science fiction, isn't it? Mm, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. It's a, uh, I mean, it's an, it's sort of more of an educational tool than a game, um, <laughs> but it's, um, uh, it does. I think the what the the new devs are talking about, you know, setting up colonies in like interstellar travel, just it looks brilliant. It looks like it adds just enough kind of sci-fi to the to the orbital mechanic mix to make it really enjoyable. You I see, I never play. I never played KSP to achieve something i just played it to see how many kerbals i could strand in space and <laughs> asphyxiate and stuff but it, so for me why, it was, why doesn't it was that kerbal, surprise me for me it was always a kerbal um extermination program <laughs> oh, God. nice and sure yeah. lemmings <laughs> It did feel like that, didn't it? Um, well, the main question to ask after, I mean, after these two uh, games have been released, what kind of thing out of those two games would you like to see being brought into Elite Dangerous? One of the the main things that um, commentators have said about both of them is there's a lot less grind. Now, What's what's one person's grind is another person's um, gameplay. So it does seem to be very subjective. But what what do you what would you like to take from say those two games and to make Elite better? I don't think 
for me, I don't think KSP is much to teach elite. I think they're, they're different titles. I think Kerbal Space Program is brilliant, and I, and I know that it's not the question you asked, but I I would like to see <laughs> KSP evolve into a, like a more of an RTS direction. I'd like I'd like Kerbal uh, not Ker, Kerbal Space Program to develop. I'd like KSP two to develop into like a a yes like spaceship building and orbital mechanic sort of classroom with real-time strategy elements um, because I, I enjoy those games and I think they dovetail quite nicely together, like a, a really hard science thinking RTS. Um, Elite shouldn't be that. Elite is a space simulator and it's played from the vantage mm-hmm. point of your cockpit. I, I really don't think that that game has a lot to teach Elite. Um, there's definitely lessons there in terms of like managing grind and making your time spent pursuing goals feel more deterministic and less random. Elite definitely has stuff to learn from other successful space games. I mean, the one thing that really dogs Elite to this day is the, is the feeling of, God, I've been I've been in this system scanning these these insert object here for for two hours now, and I haven't got the lucky roll. Like video, you know, I know that's how life works, but video games shouldn't be like that. You 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 know, we play video games so so that if we go and do a certain action. And we and we've been reliably informed that it will lead to X outcome. We get that outcome. You know, that's we, we don't want to have our time completely wasted. And Elite still sometimes does a bit of that, which mm. um, which No Man's Sky doesn't, for example. It doesn't rely on dice rolls as to whether you find a, a resource in a certain thing. If you you know if you're if you're looking for kelp paste in the rock that gives kelp paste, if you shoot that rock, you'll get kelp paste. Elite doesn't do that. It gives you a, a dice roll as to whether you'll find. Um, I don't know, pharmaceutical isolators in signal sources in this kind of system. And you can have as much information as, as it's possible to have and still spend six hours looking because you're not dice rolling well. Yeah. Um, so I think that that aspect, that aspect of the grind could be, um, could be improved and that's something they could learn from other games. I mean, um, Shan, do you have anything to say on that? Not really. Other than I agree with Sue, really. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I suppose that um, the one thing that is my bugbear, and I've said this on the forum so many times, um, is the one issue that I do have is somehow, it's a bit of an ask actually, because how do you reduce the travel time so you can get to content quicker, but without losing the scale of, Mm. of the experience in Elite Dangerous? I mean, me and Ben have always thought that uh, one of the things that could have been done is basically the second time you visit a system, um, instead of going to the biggest star, you go to the biggest, um, the star closest to where you want to go. Because a lot of the time, I, the, the trouble I have sometimes is if I go to a, a multi-star system, and you damn well know that your mission that you've just selected is on a planet that's 200 light 200,000 light seconds in one direction and you know there's a second there's a second or a third star which this planetary base is round i mean i would it just the fact just to cut out that 15 minute of straightforward flying would make things so much better but um, yeah, you just you got the impression that Frontier said, "Look, we've changed it once for you guys because you didn't want the point-to-point stuff that we originally designed it around, and we've given you super cruise. We're not changing it again." 
it's some. Um, it definitely feels like um, it, the, the the crazy distances in Elite are all um, they're all star to star. Like mm-hmm. if if a, if something is on a planet ordering orbiting a star, if you if you arrive at that star, it's never it's never it's not it's never going to be a terrifying distance away. Um, no. It's always going for it's it's binary or, t- or, or trinary systems. Um, I mean, micro jumps between stars in 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 one system would fix it, which I know that they've thought about before. I mean, I I quite like distances because the gay is a spaceship simulator. If you mm-hmm. cut out the journey in between, it becomes a menu simulator, doesn't it? So yeah, I, I, I actually agree with Shanna on that. But but that's that's the problem that I do have is that a lot of people this is the issue where you've got to try and balance the immersion versus the gameplay. And I think in this case, I mean I know you guys are disagreeing with me here, but I think in this case, I think this is one where gameplay should have taken priority over over the, the simulation. How but, about this as a as a as a scenario? Imagine that you Imagine that you can't change the flight times, and Hutton Orbital is always going to. Well, actually, no, that's a bad example because no gameplay should should absorb need to absorb eight hours. But say, say a twenty minute journey in the game is always going to be a twenty minute journey. Imagine mm-hmm. if imagine if you could climb out of your flight seat, go into different areas of your ship, and interact with your ship in different ways. So you want you want to do synthesis? Okay, go down to the lab and do. Do a bit of synthesis to get some premium ammo. Premium ammo for your Thargoid fight. You can you can take that to an extreme though, can't you? Because you could you could simulate going on the bog, and then you'd be interdicted, <laughs> and you're running through the cockpit <laughs> with your trousers half down. Yeah, but brilliant. <laughs> like, brilliant. Oh, you know, no. that, that kind of that kind of thing. We, I mean, we we you've already got a situation in which the devs are saying we don't want to clutter the UI more because it's it's getting we're getting to the point where we've got so much. So many menu things going on in the UI that we're really struggling to fit new things in. Um, like there are already so many systems in Elite that we that players need to interact with, and we currently do them from the flight seat. Lifting those out of the flight seat and putting them in dedicated consoles around the ship um, would make sense as a way to use the time in transit, and it would it means that the transit time would have meaning and be and be interesting and engage the player in different types of gameplay. Um, and it would, and it wouldn't diminish from the, the perceived size of the of the play space. The, the universe, would, the galaxy, would still feel big. I mean, what you're talking there is pulsar, isn't it? Yeah, something. Yeah, exactly. Um, a lot like pulsar. Um, so, you know, you could, you could, for example, um, the galaxy map. I know you need it for, um, and like you need to access it from the flight seat. But imagine that you could interact with it more deeply, um, like plotting a plotting a route, for example, by going to the navigation panel and and it, like somewhere in the bridge and and doing it there. Um, you know, if you want to check up on power play stuff, you've got to go to a different terminal and and look and go to the power play menu. If you want to if you want to use the hollow me, okay, fine, go down to the hollow deck and use the thing there. Like if space legs is coming next year, there are loads of ways to make the ship's interior feel. Doesn't um, that feel more useful? Star Citizen ish, though. Yeah, why not? Because, well, just things like annoys me with Star Citizen is if you are loading up with the cargo, you have to load the ship up with the cargo yourself. You know, you, there's a cutoff point, isn't there, between when yes. something is is interesting to do and is it still interesting to do after the hundredth time you've done it? 
Yeah, well, it, it, that this goes back to a point that Darrell Brian made while he um, while he was uh, <laughs> he had a day off, and uh, instead of uh, he decided to play Grand Theft Auto, and of course one of the missions was to go from one end of town to the other, uh, shoot someone, and then come back again. And the problem was is that you had in order to stay undetected you had to follow the the rules of the road which meant they stopped at all the the tolls and you got stuck in all the traffic and and he was just there and he came to the conclusion that i'm actually community commuting in a video game while sat in my pants that isn't fun what am i doing and that that's the problem that that i do have with the with the long transit times around systems is that because there's nothing else to do, you feel like you're commuting in your pants. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> makes sense. Yeah, I do hear you. I, gu- I guess it's just, I'd like to see the ships feel, I'd, I'd like to feel like your ship was more of a place and less of an avatar. And I feel like, and the, and the, the stuff that you can do from the cockpit is, or, is already quite crowded. Um, mm. And arguably, like, in terms of running a, a spaceship the size of a small town, you it's implausible that one pilot would be able to completely manage something like an anaconda and including all of its systems it, like taking a few of those functions out of the the flight seat and dotting them around the ship in other places so that your crew could do it like people that you were multi-crewed with could be more useful for example um or giving you something to do outside the flight seat would make flight it would make flight more enjoyable it would make transit more um more worthwhile it would make the ships feel bigger and more useful I don't know about that, Sue. I'm just thinking it through because if you ever played out some flight sims, and um, I struggle to remember which one it was, but basically, you could take, you had to take the place of any crew member in your bomber, mm. for example. And, you know, so I you're a pilot, that, yes. and you then had to sort of fly towards the target, and you had to jump to be a the bomb aimer and aim up, and then you're attacked by fighters, so you had to jump into the gunner seat and be a gunner. That was pain in the bum to fly that. It just wasn't fun because you were just never. You're always like hopping around, and it wasn't. Oh, God, no, but I don't. I don't mean. I don't mean taking anything to do with flight out of. Like flying, flying the spaceship should be, should be done from the flight seat. I, I mean things that you can currently do from the flight seat, but are not that shouldn't be tied to sitting in that chair things like using the hollow me and changing your appearance why do you need to do that from the flight seat? once we've got once we've got space legs there is no reason that you shouldn't take a, a modifying your appearance and tie it to a different part of the sp- of the spaceship so you get out of the flight seat and go and do it um, and there are loads of things like that like loads of menu interactions loads of um there's just loads of stuff that you don't need to be sat in that flight seat to do and actually if you if you didn't need to be it wouldn't make sense to put in the flight seat anyway yeah i mean if if you i mean my ideal ideal idea behind all that would be very similar to what we've had with pulsar where um there are stations all around the ship that you you know you've you've got to have crew members that go to and monitor the the main problem with that is that it only really works in multi crew because um as shan says it be, uh, if you have to jump around each station, it can get very, very confusing. And yeah, well, Pulsar was an problem. issue with this with iWar, to be honest, which is one of my favourite games ever. But still, swapping between the four different stations really did my head in sometimes. 
Yeah, fair enough. I mean, it de- yeah, it definitely needs it, it. There's definitely a risk there, and I wouldn't advocate t- taking any anything away from the flight seat that you need to get at quickly in flight. So, for example, turret control, like or hyperspace control, like don't take that away from the flight seat. You need that stuff. But some of some of the some of the other game systems that are not tied to the physical act of flying the spaceship, I I, I think could be taken out of it. Pulsar is probably the wrong. But- example because it's these are like there's a lot of like really useful things um that we want to do <laughs> in the flight seat as a single player experience that you wouldn't uh, be able to do i think the game that sure. does multi-crew best that i've ever played is star trek bridge crew yeah mm-hmm. because that is des- well uh, the whole star trek ships because they're designed to be multi-crew they're designed to have different crew members doing different things they're not like souped up single seat fighters like all the ships in elite so they're designed to have engineering science whatever 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 and when multi crew came in that was kind of how i was expecting it to be and that was sort of how frontier was hinting it was going to be yeah i think a lot of people but, were expecting that but the trouble is when it came out it's clear that elite has never been designed to be a multi crew game like bridge crew is no, <clears throat> unless of course this is the kind of thing that they're working on in the 2020 update. I think that what they the probably what they're going to try and do is make it. So, I mean, this is something that they try to do with multi crew, is that make it so that all the ships are fully pilotable alone. Um, but there are advantages to multi crew um, that mean that you get a slight advantage. Like I think mm-hmm. they said that, like you, you know, um, one. A ship, a, a good, a good ship, flown with a with a crew would be like fighting a a wing of small ships or something. I can't remember the exact. Mm, but that yeah, that was that was so, exactly right. You get an extra pip, is what it is, and that's nothing like fighting a wing. Of well, ship. also that yeah, oh. also that it's not it's not this isn't an FTL level of um var- variation of roles. What we've got in Elite is you can fly a fighter or you can man the turrets. Them's your options. Like there's there's not you know th- these aren't um, the way that multi crew works in elite is very very limited compared to something like Star Trek Bridge Crew um, and I think there's probably a bit of a missed opportunity there like you know how about a navigation officer so if you're going on an expl- uh, exploration trip you one of you does the flying and the other one does the 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 navigation something like that like it's not it wouldn't be beyond the realm of possibility to um, to make a space sim that allowed multi crew to contribute in more ways than just turrets or a fighter i think yeah yeah it's um yeah i mean it's it's something that we're going to have to uh, obviously see how it comes out because uh, the original multi-crew was basically i think everybody had such a they wanted that kind of star trek bridge crew experience and when it didn't occur and especially when the gun turrets didn't seem like, you know, you were jumping into the gun turrets of the Millennium Falcon. Then, if you see what I mean, it, because it didn't have that level of um, interaction, I think it everybody just went, oh, no. Yeah. Ventura says, <laughs> uh, with space legs, it could be like when you, um, uh, if you want to repair your ship, you've got to go to the cargo hold. Um, so presumably he means... Um, I mean, jump in, Ventura, if you want to correct me. But like, presumably, it means that if your ship takes damage, there could be like a, oh, shit, I've got to get out of the flight seat and actually go and 
fix that myself sort of aspect to it in deep space. Which I seem to, sorry, I seem to remember seeing screenshots of mm-hmm. or concept art screenshots in Elite of the commander in an EVA suit using some kind of tool to, to fix the hull. I'm not sure if that's my imagination, but I've definitely seen something like it. No, I remember def- seeing it, something it, like that as well. It's it's something that the devs that Frontier have talked about. There's a, there's a video from 2013 or early 2014 in which they all say like they all talk about all the things that they could do that they're planning on letting us do in space legs. Um, and one of them was get out and you know get out and do EVAs on your ship. So we'll just have to see. I think the key thing with with Elite is. And it sounds a horrible thing to say, and immensely negative, is not to set your expectations too high, um, but to enjoy whatever it is they come up with and find ways to make it fun. Okay. Um, well, guys, I think we've, we've, <laughs> we've, we've kind of wandered a little bit around the houses. Um, can we go for another uh, advert break and uh, we'll be right back with just the, the community catch up after that. This is a public service announcement from the Fuel Rats. Please stop what you're doing and pay attention. If we can rescue you, we will. But you can help us help you by following these easy steps. 1. Fly 50 light seconds or so from the system's main star and drop out of supercruise. 2. Note down the current system and the nearest stellar body. 3. If you're on emergency life support, log out immediately. 4. Go to FuelRats.org and click Get Help. 5. Stay calm, hold your breath, and let our seasoned professionals do what they do best. The Fuel Rats. We have fuel, you don't. Any questions? life, choose a ship, choose a career, choose a cargo, choose a f***ing big ship, choose palladium gold and electrical tin openers, choose good health, local estrel and ship insurance, choose fixed interest loan repayments, choose a space station, choose your friends, choose leisure wear and matching luggage, choose a paint job and hire purchase and a range of f***ing colours. Choose decals, exploration, and wondering where the f*** you are on a Sunday morning. Choose sitting in that chair, running mind-numbing, spirit-crushing trade routes, stuffing f***ing junk food in your mouth. 
and juice rotting away at the end of it all, pissing your last in the void with no one out there to hear you bury or do anything as you drift away in cold space. And there's some f***er comes along to steal your ship, your cargo and your clothes, leaving your bones floating out in space. Choose your future. Choose life. But why would I want to do a thing like that? I choose not to choose life. I chose something else. And the reasons? There are no reasons. Who needs reasons when you've got onion heads? And welcome back. Well, what we'll do to now, tonight is we'll just quickly go over some of the community events that have been happening in the last uh, uh, in, in the last week or so. And first off, um, this is probably an old one for a lot of people, um, but a well-known and much-loved shipyard service, the ED Shipyard by Tilden, uh, has been uh, renovated and moved to a new address. You'll find, if you go to HTTPS... Uh, edsy.org um, you'll find the new uh, shipyard uh, website, it's been completely redone, um, it's recommended by the uh, the AXI uh, because basically they've, they've gone and recalculated a lot of the anti-xeno weaponry so um, if you're into your, your shooting Thargoids, um, it does seem to be more accurate than Coriolis. So we'd like to thank Gluttony Fang and the AXI for, for telling us about that. Uh, the folks at Operation Ida are working on Kaiser Terminal in the... Oh, here we go. Everyone charge your, battery, uh, charge your batteries. <laughs> <laughs> charge your glasses. Um, Weutable. What do you reckon? Do you think think I've got anywhere near the the right ballpark for that? Oh, I don't know how to say it. <laughs> I don't know how to say it originally. So, sure, Weutable. <laughs> okay, well, we'll go with Weutable. Uh, and basically, they are reasonably close to to getting getting it done. There's still, I think, eighty percent of um, Indium uh, to go, but the, they're making good progress. Um, again. Operation Ida have said that they are not working on stations in the uh, in the Witchheads Nebula, but I will know that Hope's Rest has been already repaired. So there's at least one working um, station, uh, space station in in the Witchhead, and that does seem to be one of the best places to get Thargoid Scouts. Uh, personal recommendation there. Now, um, we had Alec Turner on the show last week, and his hot-off-the-press buckyball run is in progress at the moment in association with the Sagai. Um, so, Vreen, do you have any extra details on that? Uh, it's brilliant. Um, the The issue of Sagittarius Eye that came out last Thursday has all the details, um, and uh, it's, there's also information on a forum thread. Um, it's, a, it's a time trial race, classic buckyball. Um, do a load of stuff all over the, the bubble and beyond um, as quickly as you can, and then come back to the starting point and and log your results. Um, the starting point is the Print Works, which is an asteroid base in Malaysia, um, and uh, it's yeah, it's going really well. It's really fun. There's um, uh, I haven't done a run yet myself, but the the Sagai guys have been doing it quite a lot, and there's um, 
lots of furious discussions of uh, tactics and tricks and all that sort of thing. Um, and Alec is is um, is really encouraging people to think creatively about how to um, uh, about how to achieve the goals. So it's um, it's good fun. Yeah, we'll be coming back to that at a later point to see how see how people are doing. Um, I think we've got uh, oh how many how many people we've got at least nine people who have post posted times, and one of which is under ten minutes. Yeah, no and idea. How, did that. how just how? Anyway, uh, so ten, under ten minutes is the time to beat at the moment. Good luck with that. Now, obviously, um, on the subject of Sagittarius Eye, um, you're going quarterly as of issue 25. Is that correct? Yeah. So the um, Sag Eye started in first issue was September 3303. Um, and with, our, with August 3305, um, with this month's issue, that marks our 24th issue, two calendar years. Um, we have uh producing Sagittarius Eye is a huge amount of work. Um it probably doesn't most most things when you have the finished product in your hand, it, it's easy to discount how much work goes into them. But for, for Sagai we have um writing the articles is just the start. They also then go through editing, proofreading, being laid out by the designers. We have a team of artists who do bespoke art. We have um a team who source uh, screen the, the SPFA guys who source the screenshots from the game to augment the articles. Um, there's loads and loads of quality checks that go go on all the way through. Um, and um, uh, long story short, we feel after 24 issues and two years, we feel like we've got to a point that if you pick up, if you look at our our back back catalogue of issues, the they you know we we've done with with a couple of exceptions, we've done biopics of all the biggest player groups we've covered the biggest player events we've covered the the biggest and most important aspect of the elite series law um we've done uh loads of gnarly science topics uh co- covering the 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 science of elite um I, I i confidently feel like our our catalog of 24 issues is in in aggregate is a, a pretty much says everything you need to know about what it means to be an elite dangerous commander um in 3305 and um uh and the team of the team have worked really really hard um we have got through quite a lot of really really good people uh since since we started um i know i put far too much time into sagai um and um and we've had several art editors who to lead the art and design teams who have come and gone because um you know you can't you simply can't keep putting tens of hours per week into something that's entirely volunteer for more than a few months it's too much of an ask um and um and so uh so we've sort of reached a bit of a point where we we feel like the the urgency to tell these stories has lessened a bit we've told we we've 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 told enough of the stories that felt like we really needed to to get them down, um, and um, a lot of the team would just like to, to take a bit of a break. We don't want we don't want our great people to burn out. Um, the game is in a bit of a lull, as I mentioned earlier, uh, and um, it feels like if we're going to give people time out and uh, and and let people, you know, go off and play the game a bit for a change or play a different game, then now is the time to do so. Um, there's not as much to write about urgently in the game um, this year. 
next year, um, if if the 2020 update is as big as we hope it is, um, uh, and um, and there's a lot more to write about, absolutely, we'll we'll go back to being more um, more frequent. Um, to answer your question, Ventura, uh, yes, we will. Uh, we'll if we have the if the if the material is there and the team have the time, we will absolutely produce more issues. Um, the, the the plan for quarterly is at the moment stands until the 2020 update and and at the 2020 update we'll review and it depends as much on you know are we all going to be around and have the time um it, you know it's sort of the game needs to be in the right place and we need to be in the right place um yes we will still be doing podcast issues of every of podcast versions of every issue uh that you know every time we release an issue it is it's simultaneously on um audio and pdf um, and the other thing I'd say is that this is um, the quality. Uh, the, the, the art editor commented the other day. He said um, uh, our art editor from three three hundred four has come back uh, and will be taking over as of issue twenty five. He said that the biggest the biggest limiter on quality was always time. And going quarterly, he's thrilled about it because he can put so much more care into each issue. Um, which I, I didn't. That baffled me because I thought they were they, those guys put so much care into them as it was. Um, but um, but the um, uh, the amount of care and attention that goes into each one will be um, will be better than ever. Uh, so issue twenty five will come out in um, December of this year, um, and um, it will be uh, probably one of our best issues ever. And um, and it will come out with a, an audio version, and then issues will be every um, will be quarterly uh, after that. We'll, and we'll announce uh, sort of specific release days uh, closer to the time when issues are further into production. I was just thinking, Steve, since you're going quarterly, does that mean you've got a staff of writers you could approach Frontier to do Galnet news? <laughs> <laughs> what fluff, fluff pieces? You mean? Yeah, yeah, we could do. Yeah, if anybody from Frontier is listening, and, and you guys would like uh, a hand, I know that the writers were some of the the people when we when we just made the change to when we decided to make the change to quarterly. A lot of the writers were like, "Oh, but we're having loads of fun. We don't want to stop." Um, and uh, so, yeah, absolutely, they, 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 I'm sure they'd love that. Hmm. I mean, just to to touch on the subject, as people probably have gathered by now, because we've hit a bit of a drought. Um, we we don't have that much to talk about anymore. So one of the things that we thought we'd do is we we try and get the community involved a little bit. Um, so we'd like a little bit of interaction with our community. So um, using the usual methods of communication, which is the email info at laveradio.com or contact us on Facebook slash Live Radio, um, you could. And see if you can answer this question. We'd like to hear from you about how, well, what do you consider is a grind in Elite Dangerous and how could Elite Dangerous reduce it to make it, things a little bit smoother? Um, it would be interesting to hear what your opinions are on this because I think we've, we've certainly gone around the houses ourselves with it. So, um, Apart from that, uh, we're going to give our usual shout-outs. So um, our sister station, Hutton Orbital Radio, 
broadcast this Thursday at half eight. Uh, you can tune in at tv.forthemug.com or if you just want the audio at radioforthemug.com. Um, for our discerning commander who likes a bit of CQC action, check out the CQC Discord at discord.me slash elite dangerous CQC. That's all one word. Um, and also following this this broadcast, we will have um, uh, the latest Galnet news from Commander Witherspoon. Uh, we don't know whether or not this is the final one after uh, all the shenanigans that we talked about earlier. But uh, uh, we'd like, if it is, I'd like to just take this opportunity to thank, to thank uh, Commander Witherspoon for the fantastic work he's put in um, in creating these bulletins. Three hundred over the last three years um, is a, a fantastic piece of work, Pete. And to tell you the truth, I'm going to kind of miss these kind of sarcastic put downs that I occasionally get from your uh, from the Galnet News Archive. <laughs> You're going to miss it when it's gone. <laughs> I absolutely just to second that. Wallerspoon is Galnet News is awesome. He's done a brilliant job. It's it's so wry and witty and amusing and um and spot on. Um and um I really hope that uh there is sufficient to keep him busy. Let's put it like that. Yeah. As, as I said to him before, he can always make it up. <laughs> <laughs> now that we know that that's what the Frontier are doing. <laughs> True. Well, um, that's it for another episode of Lave Radio. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can email us at info, info at com. Hit us up on facebook.com slash laveradio. Tweet us at, at laveradio. And you can join our Discord server by going to discord.io slash laveradio. We have a TeamSpeak server, which is shared with the Hutton Orbital Truckers, where commanders do like to come out and chat, so you can go to teamspeak.laveradio.com. Um, as I said before, if you've got, if you want to get in touch with any questions or if there's anything you'd like us to discuss in future episodes, please don't hesitate to uh, drop us a line. Um, Lave Radio is recorded live on a Tuesday evening at... Uh, a half past eight GMT and streamed out at laveradio.com slash live. So thanks to Commander Shannon and Commander Souverine and thanks for Commander Ventura for doing the tech. And thanks to everybody who has joined us in the Twitch chat tonight. But until next time, Commanders, fly safe. And if you can't do that, fly dangerous.
guys. Hold the fort for two seconds. I'll be right back. Gallant News Digest, 20th of August, 3305. We read the news so you don't have to. In this week's news, Fortune's Corsairs demand asteroid base. For the love of fiction. Plea for help from Hamster Herder. Fortune's Corsairs demand asteroid base. The Fortune's Corsairs are demanding parity with Sagittarius I and are willing to create a food mountain to achieve it. Sagittarius I's appeal a few weeks back for a permanent asteroid base in which to create their magazine was so successful that they had enough money to kit the place out as a luxury spa and are now spending so much time being pampered that they don't have time to create a magazine anymore. Having heard about this, and having had enough of being jolly space pirates, the Fortune's Corsairs of Chamas have appealed to the Pilots' Federation to be granted a luxury spa asteroid base of their own. To put pressure on the Galactic Authorities, the Corsairs are buying up all the healthy foodstuffs in the galaxy in order to induce scurvy amongst the population and bring about a no-deal asteroid base if the galaxy isn't willing to cooperate. The Fortune's Corsairs are pretty confident that the Pilots' Federation needs the Fortune's Corsairs more than the Fortune's Corsairs needs the Pilots' Federation. For the love of fiction. The Accident-Prone Alliance Festival of Culture has done its Fine Art Week in Lave, its Film Festival in Listi, and its Music Festival in Fecta. This week, the Old Greer System is the lucky host of the Alliance Cultural Juggernaut, which is highlighting the top literary achievements of the galaxy. There was, of course, a massive outpouring of literary creativity in 3300 and 3301, but since then, only the scribbling senator Drew Wager has published anything. The book Premonition, which was an account of the first hints of the return of the Thargoids and the death of Kahina Lorraine. The reason for this dearth of new literary fiction is hard to pin down, but a number of off-camera authors have been more active including author Hannah Darold, whose book about releasing a novel during a literary festival will be released during the literary festival. A spokesperson for Bonespire Publishing regretted that famous off-camera author Olaf Redcourt would not be attending the festival. He's apparently still working on a science fiction novel, but not sure whether he'll get approval from the Galactic Authorities to publish such a niche product. Plea for help from Hamster Herder. A note 
slipped out of the Pilots Federation server rooms on Founders World suggests that all may not be well beneath that organization's seemingly smooth exterior. The note, which was concealed on the back of a clipboard held by an extremely distinguished-looking senior official, was encrypted. But once decoded, it read, The Deputy Hamster Herder Sends Their Regards, 42. This is believed to be some sort of SOS, an appeal to independent pilots to free all lovers of rodents from the standard deviations of their Pilots' Federation masters. In fact, it's been a week of ciphers. The last mystery of the Salome affair was finally cracked. The previous cipher contained a message from Salome herself. My last request is that you always remember. And it was hoped that the final mystery might reveal something more about the enigmatic namesake of an Italian sausage. However, when the code was finally cracked after two years of puzzling, it turned out to be a shopping list, listing locations and names relevant to the Kahina Lorenz story. Some mysteries are best left unsolved. And that's this week's Galnet News. Galnet News, we read the news so you don't have to. Night-night.